0: rta.ia drama
1: on one.
2: Now, In the Wings. Next week's Drama on One is The Old Tune by Samuel Beckett, adapted from the radio play La Manivelle by Robert Pange. Director Connell Morrison, with actors Barry McGovern and Eamon Morrissey, spoke to Kevin Reynolds about the piece for In the Wings. My name is Connell Morrison, and I'm the director of The Old Tune.
1: My name is Eamon Morrissey, actor.
2: I'm Barry McGovern,
0: and I play Cream in The Old Tune.
2: The Old Tune, it's Samuel Beckett's version of a play by Robert Ponget called La Manivelle. It means the crank. It's about uh, two blokes, two old guys on a bench, basically. One of them is a street musician with a barrel organ, and an old acquaintance of his chances by, and they fall into conversation. Um, and they. Uh, compare memories they are get very very confused about what they're saying each one is trying to assert that his memory is accurate while the other guy is kind of picking holes in it and contradicting both of them get incredibly lost in what it is that they're that they're saying or the thread of memory that they're trying to pick up all the while the traffic is running past and just roaring past and you get this great sense of these two old guys trying to hold on to the thin vapors of their memories while a very aggressive modernity is building up and is swallowing them. Uh, it's a delightful piece. It's funny, it's melancholy and it's musical and uh, it's a, it's been a pleasure to work on.
1: I play Gorman, who is one of the old fellas in, in The Old Tune.
0: The Old Tune is an adaptation by Samuel Beckett of a play in French called La Manivelle by Robert Pinget, French writer who's mainly a novelist and he's a friend of Beckett's and... Um, he actually translated all that fall into French as so qui tombe uh, with Beckett uh, back in the in late fifties and around nineteen fifty nine or sixty, I think it's fifty nine. Beckett uh, translated as a favour, pange's play La Manivelle, which means the crank of a, of the little machine that you know that plays the. The Bluebirds of Scotland, and um, th- he translated it uh, into this Dublinese. You know, there's an argument about where it's set, and, and Beckett uh, said it's set in England, and they speak like that. So it's pure Dublinese, really. That's written. It's kind of almost a kind of O'Casey-ish sort of language. It's it's like two old codgers from Dublin who are living in England, and they're, they're it's set around the late fifties. Uh, said about the time it was adapted and they're they're sort of born in the 1890s so they refer to 95 and 97 that's 1895 and 1997 that kind
2: of time I'd long been a fan of it i just read it in a compilation of short plays I'd been looking for an opportunity to do it uh, for for a long time I just thought this is just a little peach of a play Uh, it really is so um, I'd done some work with Sean Dorn who runs the the Becken International Festival up in Enniskillen and the Friedel Festival in Donegal I pitched this at him he was absolutely up for it, but we, we wanted just to hang on until um, we could get uh, the two actors that we needed. And eventually I managed to get Barry McGovern and Eamon Morrissey. I thought, I've got two musicians, two magicians. I can play it. Let's do it. So we put it on the Ardone and we had a wonderful run up there. So it's originally a radio play that has been done several times on stage. So we put it on stage uh, now we're just delighted to be able to return it to his radio roots and bring these two uh, glorious actors into the radio studio to record the play in the format that it was originally written.
1: I have actually done surprisingly little Beckett in my time. I, I would uh, would have liked, through my acting career the past 50 years or so, to have done more. But uh, um, not much. Well, Beckett
0: was one of uh, the great writers that this country has produced, and he, he wrote in two languages, both originally in English, his native language, and then he wrote in French, from the late 40s mainly on he, he dabbled with it in the 30s so most of his work practically practically all of his work was translated by him into the other language whether it was French from English or English from French he rarely translated anybody else's work in fact I think this is the only piece that he translated as a kind of friendship to his friend Robert Pange. What makes his work great? It's very hard to talk about what makes a writer great. You either love music or art or writing, and you don't. And it's just, I think, wonderful writing. Joyce's great writer. Yeats is a great writer. Beckett is a great writer. Flann O'Brien's a great writer. You know, they mightn't be great writers to everybody, but to me, these are great writers because their writing, the thing itself, is just wonderful.
2: No, I haven't done much Beckett. I directed a one-man show with Dennis Conway. It was called End of Days. It was based on the, uh, the script that Jack McGarren did. McGarren did the first one of the sort of portmanteau pieces where you took sort of various excerpts from, from different of the prose pieces um, in the way that Barry McGovern has famously done I'll Go On. So we went back to the McGarren text and did that in Enniskillen in Paris and Paris and around and about. And again, that was just a great pleasure. Dennis, too, has a great relish for language. It takes quite a lot of work just to get on top of it. It's, it's a significant feat of memory for an actor but once they master it it's a, it's a delight for them to play and it's a delight for us to listen to
1: Beckett's writing just leaps out at you I instantly f- feel connected to it and connected to these rather lost souls that he creates his characters are living inside their own heads in, in, and, and not very happily <laughs> usually but he also writes with great humour and of course, most of all, with great humanity.
0: In a way, there's always a sense of hope. You know, I'll go on the last three words of that novel, The Unnameable. On is a great word in Godot, where Pozzo says to Lucky, on. Ham in Endgame says, we're getting on. And it was all about, you know, at the very end, well, shall we go? Yes, let's go at the end of Godot. But they don't go. They're still there when the curtain drops. At the end of Endgame, Clove was ready to leave. But when the curtain falls, he's still there. He hasn't quite left. So, as Beckett said, if Godot was a play about waiting, Endgame is a play about leaving.
1: I directed Waiting for Godot in America, actually, in Cleveland, a different kind of production altogether. To me, Waiting for Godot was set in Dublin. You know, (laughs) that's it. It's wonderful writing. I think his writing is just fantastic. I wish I had done more Beckett.
0: Well I was fortunate enough to meet Beckett on a number of occasions before he died in 1989. I first met him in 1986 when I brought my one man show, the Gates production of I'll Go On to Paris for Beckett's 80th birthday and um, Michael Colgan and myself met him uh, when we were over there setting up the show and he was extremely um, funny Um, was also um, very serious. I mean I know that sounds like but but he was witty in a sort of a dark way that you you read his work and you, you, he's a very sort of black sense of humor but extremely kind but also you could get from him a sense of the suffering of the world he was a man of enormous integrity and he made you feel quite welcoming and mean, of course I was a bit intimidated at first cause, you know they say never meet your heroes but here I was meeting one it was a very great privilege really but uh, you know he, he was in very encouraging about the work and so on and and I asked him some of some questions I wish I'd asked him more questions you were always told not to ask him about his work but he didn't mind that at all if it was practical things like how do you pronounce CLOV in endgame, clove or clove you've seen it you know I've played. He says, clove, clove, you know, because the ham. And he said that the clove in the ham to preserve the ham. I know in French it would be clove, you know, but things like that, little small things. I wish I'd asked him other things, but not who God was, you know.
2: <laughs> I started out as a writer, as a young playwright with kind of late adolescent pretension, basically. You know, I thought, oh, I want to write plays before I really knew anything much about them, frankly. Well, I was kind of a child of field day. I was lucky. I was in Armagh. And all those field day productions came through. So at the age of 14, I saw translations with Ray McAnally and Stephen Ray and Mick Lally and um, a young fella called Liam Neeson. And um, obviously I think some of the play went over my head, but uh, it also had a superb you know, effect on me. Um, I remember being just enthralled by it. And then other plays coming through like um, Friel's version of Three Sisters and... Athol Fugard's Bozeman and Lena. So you're seeing stuff like Fugard in um, the the hall of the Technical College in Armagh. You know, it, it was a great kind of education in, in what was out there in the world, you know. So then I'd start writing and then um, had somebody put on one of my plays in the Edinburgh Fringe and I sat in rehearsal and thought, oh,
1: I could do that. I could have a lash at that. It is the apparent sparsity of it. I mean, those two old, old, old fellas in Waiting for Godot, they're nothing and they just repeat... Cliche after cliche to each other, and yet there is such significance because, in a kind of a way, they are content on another level, they are the most melancholy, unhappy people on earth, and that's Beckett's ability just to strip down, strip down to the bare bones.
0: Um, yes, I met him on about six occasions, and uh, no, we'd have a, a, a glass of beer or a coffee, or I smoked one of his cheroots once, nearly killed me, it was, but I couldn't resist it, it was a little, little. Darkshirts and, yeah, he was he was um, he was always very kind and amenable. Um.
1: When I started the brother in nineteen seventy four, I thought it might last, might might get three weeks out of it, and people are still asking me to do it. You know, I had a vague plan that I might do the three giants of Irish literature: Flann O'Brien, uh, Swift, the the greatest satirist of all time, and Joyce. And in fact, I did the the three. And they were, you know, they they all worked and and they did me good and and did the bank balance good.
0: We talk about Dublin and um how things were and uh, how things were at the Irish Times and you know, things like that. you know, I mean, i I, I asked him if he's interested in cricket? He wasn't really, but he watched. he was very interested in rugby, which I am. so he we he, he watched the rugby internationals. He's a great fan of Ollie Campbell's. and um Ollie knows this because <laughs> I've met Ollie and he told me. but uh yeah, he was um, he was keen on sports because he did a lot of that himself when he was at college and at school. He played a lot of sports. He boxed, he played rugby, he played uh, uh, cricket and golf, motorcycling, scrambling and so on and so forth, yeah. He was a great man, yeah. It was a great privilege to meet him, yeah. The
1: great thing about... Geniuses, <laughs> which the three of them were, I no doubt about that, and um, they have their own genius and their own way and their own speak. Uh, the thing about Fran O'Brien, that column he wrote in the Irish Times, people said, oh, he put all his creativity and too much of his creativity into that column, a newspaper column every day. every blah, blah. But that is the main body of his work. That is his wonderful work. And to write so consecutively and so wonderfully over such a long period, that's the great body of work there.
0: The old tune, which he always said was Robert Pange's play and not his, and he should get full credit, Pange, was his vision, not mine. Even though the translation is very close to the original in essence, what he's done is taken the actual patois, the the way they speak, into a pure Dublinese of of his time, you know, of his youth, and cronies of his fathers. I'm sure spoke like that, just turns a phrase, and the way he writes it, with the, the punctuation, sometimes there's very little punctuation, the odd comma. It's like as if it's it's if it's music, and and in a way, you know, I've taught Beckett a bit, and Beckett really should be played as if it's a musical score I mean I know that's an odd thing to say but it, it's kind of like Pinter's quite musical there are certain writers who are Joyce is extremely musical I mean Finnegan's Wake is is like a auroratorio as the word comes into it and John Cage uses this as to you know in the end it's the sound and it's it's the feeling of the whole piece
2: and in that edition of in the wings you heard actors Barry McGovern and Eamon Morrissey with director Connell Morrison discussing the play The Old Tune by Samuel Beckett. The play will be part of a double bill next week with a new piece The Bachelor by Neve Campbell. In the Wings was produced by Kevin Reynolds.
0: rta.ie/drama on 1